Hi again, dance friends. I'm Margaret Fuhrer, editor and producer of the Dance Edit newsletter and podcast. And this week, we are lucky to have a returning guest, a friend of the podcast with us, choreographer and ALE2 artistic director, Francesca Harper. Francesca always has so many irons in the fire, but the specific reason she's here now is to discuss an upcoming premiere that's part of the filmmaker Ava DuVernay's Law Enforcement Accountability Project, or LEAP. DuVernay created the LEAP initiative in the wake of George Floyd's murder. It commissions artistic responses to police violence against Black people. She asked Harper, whose choreography is frequently in dialogue with social justice, to create a work addressing Detroit police officer Joseph Weekly's murder of seven-year-old Ayanna Monet Stanley Jones. Ayanna was shot while she was asleep on her grandmother's couch during an ill-informed SWAT mission that was being filmed for a reality TV show. Harper's response, titled The Reckoning, is both a dance film and a live performance, created in collaboration with musician Nona Hendricks, visual artist Carrie Mae Weems, and a cast of six dancers. It will have its world premiere at Works and Process at the Guggenheim on March 11th. There are many layers to unpack in Ayana's tragic story. And as you'll hear, Harper believes that dance is an especially powerful tool to help us process this kind of brutality. A quick note before we begin, Harper's mother, Denise Jefferson, was the longtime director of the Ailey School, where Francesca also trained. And I'm mentioning that now because that information will come into play early in this interview. Here is Francesca. Francesca, welcome, or rather, welcome back. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast again. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I had a wonderful time the last time. It's great to be back. Yes. It was almost exactly a year ago. I'm realizing that we talked. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what what a different time. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but so we wanted to have you back on now to talk about this new work that you've created for Ava DuVernay's Leap Project. And I guess a, a natural place to start is how did this commission come about? Did you get a phone call from Ava DuVernay? I, 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 I can't even I imagine. I will give you, this is the wildest kind of backstory you'll, you'll ever hear. So I had graduated from high school with a friend of mine. Her name was Betsy Jaffe. And she introduced me to another woman, Elizabeth Mosley, who um, basically was interested in my artwork and, and I had an interview to meet them, was going to be, was, you know, support my company um, as a benefactor and, and help out. And we just really hit it off. So she introduced me to a woman named Regina Miller who works with her. She thought, I just wish she was involved in dance, this woman. And so I just want you to meet her. So I'm, I basically meet these two women and they, you know, want to hear about my company. And before we start, um, Regina says to me, I have to share a story with you. I said, well, what? She said, I auditioned for the Ailey School when I was 15 years old. She said, and your mother came up to me in the audition and basically, she could see how nervous I was. She said, do not diminish your shine. You go out there and dance. And she said it just, she couldn't believe it. 
And she got into the Ailey School. She started studying there. She was there for many years. And then she got into philanthropy and ended up working with Ava DuVernay's company. And the irony of that, and then she was she saw my work and I had met her and she had had this incredible history in dance. And because she works with Ava, it was like, you know, I have someone that I think you'd be interested in. And then Ava saw my work and my I had been, you know, made these 16 dance films in the pandemic. <laughs> so it was really like at the height of the pandemic, too, in a very prolific time for me, which was ironic and then also just seeing you know a lot of my work is founded in social justice and inclusivity so I think you know that is just right up my alley in terms of what she was looking for um for her leap initiative for that project but isn't that a circuitous crazy connection I mean it was just like the universe was conspiring and I and I love that like the spirit of your mom was sort of oh, over yeah. the whole, you know, isn't that beautiful? Well, yeah. I do feel like recently I have felt like the spirit of mom and, and uh, you know, just watching over has, has really been present in my life. So you were assigned by Ava the case of Ayanna Monet Stanley Jones. That's what That's the reckoning is responding to. Um, to react artistically to a tragedy of this magnitude, to the murder of a, a seven-year-old Black girl. Where does one begin? Where did, where did you begin? I began with research. You know, uh, I began with research because I really needed to know what happened. And before even getting into what I could offer emotionally, just needed to know what happened and, you know, who these people were. Um, that were involved. And I mean, I, there's just such a sense of responsibility and safety for to think about the injustice and the reality of what this family experienced and the loss that was felt by everyone of this seven-year-old child. So starting with research, um, you know, Ava gave me some, some research material. She had already kind of created a, a sheet for me with information. And then I just did a deep dive afterwards into, um, I watched some of the Detroit SWAT um, reality show that was involved. So I think that, um, you know, just did a lot of research into the, the police officers and the police that were involved in the incident. And, you know, one of the big things that resonates for me is the fact that she, you know, the that the police officers, they had cameras following them for a, um, a television show. So mm -hmm. that for me already, you know, you talk about a breach of justice and like, where are their minds when they're going to kind of serve out their sense of duty and there are these cameras following them. So I think that for me, was really where I started all of this and also really giving voice to this this young girl who lost her life who was you know an African-American girl and that for me I also connected to that um, and thinking about myself or my daughter and the loss of life and wanting to give her voice and power so that 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 was initially you know, very apparent when I started the work, like that's the reckonings. Like if she were to come back, you know, what would she say? You, you, you're starting to answer my, one of my next questions, which mm. is, 
is that you, you you imagine Ayana's future self in this work. She's there. She's one of the dancers. Oh yeah. Can you talk a little more about about that choice and why you made it? <sighs> well, I it's 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 interesting because I started. You know, I always have this kind of abstract vocabulary when it comes to dance, but I I like to call it abstract storytelling. <laughs> which for me also gives space for the imagination to really have um, its own voice. So I, as I was workshopping it, it just became more apparent that the, the, that these people had to be characters within the work and that they needed to really dialogue with each other and be present, you know, and I think I did consider a couple of times, like, well, but she was erased. There are themes of erasure, which are important. But for me to have her presence, you know, really establish that in the beginning was important. And then I also thought about the family. The You know, the grandmother is an important person in this story. And some of the research I did really had her in the courtroom uh, sharing her feelings and, you know, even this idea of when she shared her grief in the courtroom, how she was ushered out. And I thought, and again, another kind of moment of oppression, suppression, erasure, <laughs> that this grandmother who was right next to this child, you know, couldn't express her feelings fully, uh, her grief her loss, which is so much, you see what's going on in the world with so many other cases. And, and we all feel so deeply the loss of, you know, the tragedy that the families are experiencing. So the grandmother also became a very important um, character in the work and centralizing their relationship that, that it really became um, kind of the, the, the center point for the work. And then, of course, the officers and their training and also the the filming. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the research that we did actually has, I used some audio of um, the police officers talking on the reality shows and juxtapose, um, you know, what they're what they're saying with, you know, even a, a group of, of, of bystanders witnessing the event in the moment. And the way I work is, in, in a collaborative sense, you know, that the dancers were also asked to bring in their opinions. And so we started with conversations like, how are these young people feeling about um, this case and even their own kind of instability in the world as young people of color or not? I thought it was also very interesting to, you know, hear um, some of our Caucasian artists talk about the, what impacted them. So that that for me also, too, is the coming together and the empathy that was really shared as a community of artists was deeply empowering, you know, and that started to influence the scenes and the and the building of the work. Um, the idea of of filming and how filming was actually a central part of the story as it was happening and now is also part of the storytelling that you're doing in in layered ways you know it's you're creating a film but in that film we also see people filming right can you yeah can you talk a little more about the choices you made there and yeah where that led you 
Well, it's such a big part of our lives now, our phones and being able to capture. And there's power in now even citizens that have the opportunity to film moments and officers. I think about Eric Garner and think about, you know, wow, how, how powerful it is that we had people there and the documenting that. So I, I, it kind of it made me think about that was a crucial element in the work, you know, being able to, well, the filming uh, the negative and the positive aspects of the filming. Um, and then I really do do feel like, you know, this the fact that it's a, a reality show and how does that impact um, the officers as they're entering the space? Like, what is this psychological um, state of these men as they go into, and, and also this, the potential stardom mm-hmm. and power in, that kind of exposure, you know, and it does that almost subvert, you know, their jobs and what they're meant to go in and do and carry out justice. So that for me was a huge, really important theme to share and convey in the work. And I, you know, to have that element, I think also we're working with a live feed for the Guggenheim, which I think will be really powerful too for you know the audience to see it happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was also important to me to um, kind of put the audience members in the moment of experiencing you know what happened and that that it the way that I've structured it it kind of grounds the work in um, Ayana and the grandmother's relationship. Um, it goes to the police officers and and that it actually goes to the moment of the invasion. And also the, uh, capturing the journalist um, that also, uh, it became one of the characters that filmed the work, uh, you know, and brought the team and uh, the producer, sorry. So, you know, they're all characters and it's the recreations and reimagined um, experiences of that day with the incident. So... It's one of the most narrative works that I've done and uh, it needed to be, it needed to be really clear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to apologize in advance for thinking through this question as I am formulating it. No, please. <laughs> no, you. I, I understand that. I have to tell you, it's, it's very uh, intense to, 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 to contemplate. <laughs> there's, there's something about the distancing that was happening maybe with these officers as they were not just going about their jobs, but thinking about entertaining, that this is a show they're putting on. And then the idea that now this piece of art is reversing that process in a way. It is, it is art that someone's watching, but it's shortening that it's, it's eliminating that distancing. It's getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so interesting to me. It's, it's, again, not, it's not a question. I'm just talking. No, no, no. I really, I do think that's right. I mean, it's also this idea of them thinking about like what is being produced for the camera in this moment, mm-hmm. which is really deeply disturbing to contemplate and think about, you know, right. And, and what is our sense, what is our duty as, as good citizens of the world, really, like, and, and humanitarians, you know, I think that's the opportunity I felt with this work is for us to reinvestigate and rethink our ethics as as a society, as as a, as communities, 
you know, as communities and, and safety and what we provide for our neighbors and each other and a sense of responsibility for each other and each other's safety. You know, that's what I hope that the piece, uh, it leaves people with this, this, the importance of our connect, our connectivity as, as humans, as, as, as citizens together. Um, and I want to talk about one detail in particular that intrigued me from the little preview clips that I've seen, because your piece, um, Freedom Series, which Ailey Two performed last year, incorporates these very poetic, glowing orbs. My, my globes. I'm obsessed. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with my globes. Yes. Well, cause could, and so they made their way into this piece as well. <laughs> Can you talk about that choice and the and the symbolism they hold in this context? Yes. One made it into the piece. One globe. And I think that it is a, probably the remnants of the Freedom Series, which, you know, during the pandemic, when I made that work, it was, you know, the globes represented hope and the life force. And, you know, I think also it represents her, you know, the globes are turned off and her, her light goes out and her life force is obliterated and um, sucked away from her. So I think that that I just felt it was a powerful moment and it's even a lamp in her house or a toy that she that's a pretty toy that she likes to look at you know i mean it's just serves so many purposes this illuminating illuminating her life and her existence is really what i thought the importance of of the globe uh was mm -hmm. oh, light imagery it's so literal and so figure it right. out at the same yes, time. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah. It can serve so many purposes. Yeah, that's right. And I really love to leave room for the audience to, you know, interpret how they want to. But the dancers also really, you know, as collaborators, uh, they they also give me ideas and 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 share and you know, like I said, they share their opinions and their thoughts behind the work. So some of those ideas are, are collaborative artistic developments as we go along in the process. Can you share a little more specifically how that collaboration worked, what that collaboration resulted in, the choices that the dancers helped make? Oh, yes. I mean, I think, you know, after working so many years with William Forsyth, who just gave me so much room to offer my ideas, you know, that for me is just it's it's such a pleasure. I think every we have an opportunity with every work to 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 learn and grow with each other. And I think every artist in the room has their own biography and experiences to sh to share and shed light for other people. Um, so I think that really allowing that room for their offerings to be present, and especially in something like this. Um, you know, I learn learn from their offerings, um, and 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 um, almost evoked strength from their offerings. You know, so I think, and especially with such a sensitive subject, we needed to provide safety for each other and and find some answers. So I think collectively, you know, we just did our best to find some answers and some healing around this very painful case. Um, speaking of collective creativity, can you talk a little about how you brought on the other members of the creative team for this project? What other artistic voices you wanted to include and why? 
Oh, yes. I had to invite people I've been working with for, for years. You know, I mean, I think I really wanted to create a group, a, a, a safe group for myself and people who really understand the why and even just who understand my artistry and, um, you know, also my mission in inclusivity and social justice. <laughs> and I've been working with Nona Hendricks for many years um, and Carrie Mae Weems. And we've really, um, the three of us, you know, we're feminists, we're black women and have created works um, together that have been very political and very um, powerful in my opinion. Um, I did Grace Notes with uh, Carrie Mae Weems and she brought in Nona. I met Nona um, through um, my work at Mass Mocha and, and some work I had done with my company through Nick Cave, the visual artist, who's also we're going to be housed in um, his exhibit at the time at the Guggenheim. So it's just like these are all my people I needed to surround. These are my actually when I came back from Europe. These have been my consistent collaborators. Um, and so I felt it was just imperative that I surround myself with them. I also, my costume designer, Elias Garola, I've been working with him for, you know, uh, over 10, 15 years now. So I really created and collected a group of people um, that have created um, a safe artistic space for me. It's family. It's family, my yeah. dance family. Yes. And then, of course, my the dancers, you know, um, some are, you know, most all of them are dancers that started as students and now are these incredible professional dancers. Um, Eriko Saku, who has been, you know, I've worked with her for 10, over 10 years now. And Tim Stickney, and they're part of my, they, they started their collective, the FHP Collective. And then I have my LE2 dancers who came in. Um, so I just, it's yeah, like you said, it, it's true family. I wanted to talk about Carrie Mae Weems photos in particular, because it looks like you actually recreate some of them very, very directly, very explicitly in the piece. Why did you choose to do that? Oh, yes. Well, um, for me, the constructing history series, I thought was really pertinent to the work. And these photos are really um, moments that we have grieved as a nation, um, that she recreates these beautiful moments and tableaus. And the one that we really um, decided to recreate is entitled Mourning, with three women and the, and, the, and the small child at the feet of the women, all in black. And, you know, that, this, that they're providing this, this space for this child to experience her sadness as well and mourn. And that one for me, I said, you know, this is the one that really resonates. And so that is the one we recreate that you will see at the end there's that she's missing. Mm -hmm. So I think that that one for me, you know, just also having Carrie's powerful images, um, I felt would really ground the work in a very, um, in, in an important way. So you have... As you've said, you have this deep experience with filmmaking, and then, of course, you have deep experience with choreographing for the stage. And this is a project that involves both. So how do the film and the live performance sort of talk to each other in The Reckoning? Oh, it's so it's so interesting that you asked that. Let me see. Um, 
so it went through different permutations or different different like develop different ideas because we we were in the middle of the pandemic but then we also thought we were kind of emerging and thought we want to make a live performance and I had reached out I was always interested in works and and process uh at the Guggenheim I had always seen work there and during the pandemic I introduced myself to Duke Dang and um we really just hit it off. I mean, we had a wonderful conversation and I think a, a couple months had passed and and he reached out again at this moment that, um, you know, he said, Are, do you have any projects that you're working on? And I said, I actually have this project, The Reckoning. And when I shared it with him and Caroline Cronson, I, you know, they were, they just thought, I think you'll see they've been creating this space for diverse voices at the Guggenheim really focused on that lately too. So I think it was really very much in alignment to their mission right now. And so I I thought, well, you know, what an opportunity um, to have two performances. We have one, the film, as well as the live performance. So we, they offered us, um, uh, rehearsal space, a residency uh, with their new initiative, Launchpad, which is just providing, what do they say, um, a process without a destination. Mm-hmm. So we went out to Bethany Arts, which was just a haven for us, cooking every night, you know, and we would watch, um, we would watch the case at night and have conversations over dinner and you know, it was really wonderful to have this incubation period that we we just became really closer as friends and collaborators. And so the film idea developed from that as well. And I really feel, to be honest, um, one of the things that's important to me, I've been really contemplating and thinking about over the um, pandemic, is the importance of documentation, especially for voices of color. Um, and how in our history, just because of slavery and erasure, we don't have records. So that is also, that was a big inspiration for me to digitize and and document this and have a record of Ayanna Jones and her life and the incident. So I think ultimately that felt really important to me. And also then I have to say it's Ava DuVernay. Like I'm a little inspired because she's an amazing filmmaker and I love making films. So I thought, you know, would be really wonderful also to have her input. And um, that, that has been just a gift to have Ava and Array, the Array team give me feedback as filmmakers has just been phenomenal. I've learned so much and feel so fortunate. So I thought that ultimately was important that we would really solidify this piece and this artwork and have documentation of it. And then also, you know, with, with the Guggenheim, we thought, okay, we'll have a live performance as well. Um, And maybe who knows, maybe this can tour, maybe we can spread this message and spread the importance of Ayana's life and the importance of sharing this incident and this tragedy with our world, with our with our communities, you know, so that was also an important consideration, you know, maybe this can have legs and reach many more people, not only online, but as a live performance.
You're you're leading into my next question, which is one that you 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 started to answer actually earlier in the interview. Um, and I know that art doesn't have to you know quote unquote accomplish anything. That's never a prerequisite, but because this kind of work does encompass both art and activism. Mm. What are you hoping that the wider impact of the reckoning might be? For people to care, care about others, and be more deliberate and contemplative and empathetic, you know. Which is the goal of most good art, actually. Yeah, I think with this piece, it couldn't be clearer to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean... So the larger aim of the LEAP project, and here I'm going to quote from the website, um, is, quote, to disrupt the code of silence that exists around police aggression and misconduct, end quote. Why do you think dance storytelling is particularly powerful in that context? Well, the embodiment. I think, you know, people can be so so disassociated from their bodies and numbing themselves, whether it's through you know, disengaging from others and isolating from others. And I think the power of the full embodiment of these stories, you know, I think that's the power of dance for people to see movement. We have movement, even watching you and your gestures and your head move and your, you know, we absorb so much through our physicality. And uh, I think really the, that, that the full embodiment is, is what's so powerful about the work. Someday we're going to have a video component to accompany these podcasts because there's, especially when talking to dance artists, there's so much choreography oh, even while talking that I hate animated. The listeners miss. Really miss animated. That. I know. <laughs> I know. Yes, that's right. You know, but I, I, I love that. I mean, I think um, when I choreograph, you know, there's so much interesting kind of gestural vocabulary and conversations when people using their hands or. I mean, also just how much their faces can express. That's actually, you you know, I think is also the power of film mm-hmm. that you can capture things. That's I really realized that during the pandemic, like being able to get this kind of these close, um, these close portraits of people is so powerful. And that, that also connects to the the themes of this project, you know, and in and, and it being powerful and also detrimental. Yeah. You know, I I did want to say, like, I think one of the most amazing things about, you know, Ava DuVernay and the Array Alliance and the Law uh, Enforcement Accountability Project, um, not only to disrupt the silence uh, around police aggression and amplify the names of officers, but really, I think her mission is to keep them accountable, which I think, you know, I'm hoping that this work will also share. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Well, Francesca, thank you so much for for coming on again, Mared, for the premiere of The Reckoning. I'm really looking forward to that. And we didn't talk that much about Ailey too today, about this other very large hat that you wear. I know, (laughs) I know. It's a lot. I know. It's wonderful. Yeah. And they've got big performances coming up very soon, too. So Mared for that as well. Do we have our season in March, which is really exciting. We're going to be at the Ailey City Group Theater. Yeah. And then I think also, too, this is a little plug but i think you know on social media leap action uh is something people can connect to to see all of the wonderful work they're doing with with all of the artists that they're commissioning right now we'll get that in the show notes for sure yeah perfect 
Well, thank you again, Francesca. And I hope you get yeah. some sleep at some point too. I know. Not much sleep lately. It's okay. It's a lot of work, but it's important work, you know, and passionate about it, inspired. And I hope that we can inspire change and progress through the work. Thanks again to Francesca. As promised in the show notes, we have several links where you can learn more about the upcoming works and process premiere of The Reckoning, about the violence that it is responding to, and about Ava DuVernay's LEAP project. And we also have a link with information about Ailey 2's upcoming season in New York. Thanks to all of you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a new episode discussing the top dance headlines. Until then, keep learning, keep advocating, and keep dancing.